2: Was that ironical? Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Always fun to talk to Dan Wiederer, and he joins us now on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Dan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. How are you? I've always wondered, and I should probably ask both of you this, but... When you decided to name the podcast, the take the North podcast,
0: <laughs> you got to remember that was before uh, they played a single game under this regime. And the thought process was that they were going to get on a roll and, and win some division games. And little did we know that it was going to take until week 12 of the second season to finally get a, a, an NFC North victory. But here we are. We've got one.
1: Was that your idea? I can't remember.
0: Yeah, I think so. The
1: credit or blame
0: you? I think it toot, was yours. Toot. I'll, I'll take credit.
1: Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Episode drops later today. So, Dan, when you look at Justin Fields, I think this was an interesting opinion that that you had after the game, and maybe the day after when you had time to reflect on just how significant do you think that 36 yard completion, which capped a game winning drive, which checked a box he hadn't checked, how significant? is that in your evaluation of Justin Fields?
0: Um, I'm pausing here for a reason because it's meaningful. And as I told you yesterday that, you know, I I spent my entire post game kind of detailing that play because of what it meant in the moment to a game winning drive, which the team badly needed in a game that it, it, it couldn't afford to lose. And the quarterback after two big fourth quarter mistakes finally stepped up and and produced a drive. Now, I think that the the first pass of that series was arguably more impressive, an extended play to DJ Moore that got things going. And then the 36-yarder, which is a, an absolute laser, right on target, right on time to his best receiver, who's wide open because the Vikings decided not to cover him, puts you in range for a field goal. And this is a box that we've asked Justin to check. And it's a box... We're asking him to check more than once because one game winning drive is one game winning drive. And now it's about kind of stacking things and being consistent and having those performances that that lead you to believe. I thought when I was kind of driving back from U.S. Bank Stadium late Monday night, early Tuesday morning that – The Denver game of 2019, week two, that that, that game where the Bears offense was kind of miserable, couldn't get anything going. The defense kept them in it the whole game. And then at the end, Mitch Trubisky finally hit a pass to Allen Robinson over the middle, wide open to set up an Eddie Pinero field goal attempt to win a game felt very similar. you know. In the moment, you get caught up in the euphoria and the, the fulfillment that the guys in the locker room have. And then you zoom out and you go, well, what did it ultimately mean in the long run? In that case, nothing. I think it's just a little bit of context for us to use as a frame of reference here as we go forward. And again, we're going to ask Justin to continue showing progress across about seven or eight different categories. One of them is how he plays in the clutch. And as you guys, I'm sure have detailed the last couple of days, he was a mixed bag in the fourth quarter on Monday. And that completion obviously produced a win, which is the the most meaningful thing of that night. But grand, big picture, uh, I don't know that we can blow it up into more than it was.
2: Well, everyone gets a game ball. Doesn't matter if you score a <laughs> touchdown or not. That's uh that's kind of a shocker. I I um and I it's not a shocker. It's very much on brand. I just think that what that play meant to me was you can obsess and talk about finishing and closing and we're going to finish. All you really have to do is throw the ball to your <laughs> best player. Simple as that. Look for him. And throw him the ball. Look his way, whether he's open or not. Throw him the ball and good things will happen. And that's what the closing was. It was getting the ball to your best bloody player. Well, look, like
0: this league is about that, right? And we've talked about it not just being a one-man responsibility, but – Having a group of six to eight guys on your team on both sides of the ball that can step up and meet those game-winning moments. The game's on the line; you need to play. Who's going to make it? The defense has been showing a handful of guys that are ready to to make that step. DJ Moore has been terrific all year. Like he's on pace now to to threaten to have a top three all-time receiving season in Bears history. You know, with with the numbers he's put up. Uh, And and yeah, as complex as this game is, sometimes Molly, sometimes it is just that. Like. Can your best players make a big play in a big moment? In that case, again, the degree of difficulty wasn't that hard because as DJ said, he gets about 10 yards into his route and he notices that the Vikings coverage is disjointed in a way where the middle of the field is wide open for the route he's about to run, runs it perfectly, the ball is thrown perfectly, it's there, and you win a football game. Now look like, I think we would be talking about that play, or at least I would, in a in a much more excited fashion. Had it not come after the two fumbles, you know, which I think kind of muted a little bit of the excitement you had Mm -hmm. because twice earlier in the game, you could have sealed the game and your quarterback who said fourth quarter turnover issues, turned the ball over twice. And and, and everyone knows the feeling that they had after that, that second fumble. I said that I I, like in the U.S. Bank Stadium press box, I felt the entire city of Chicago's stomach (laughs) drop when Justin (laughs) lost that second fumble because that was the emotion of, oh, my God, is this really happening again? And thankfully, the defense was able to stand up in a big moment, get them the ball back without giving up points, and they went down the field and capitalized.
1: How feasible is it, Dan, that that defense, which has improved this year steadily, and if it continues to improve to where it's a top 10, top 5 defense by the end of the year, how feasible is it to consider that the improvement of that defense under Matt Eberflus is enough
0: Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It would be a leap for me to hinge it solely on that. You know, I just think there's a lot of other factors that go into two seasons of coaching that you have to consider um, before you you say, okay, the defense is improving. Let's let's stay locked in and and down this path for at least another year if not multiple Uh, I do think that the ascent of this defense is undeniable and you start to go back through the film from Monday and you see a Bears defense that looks like a Bears defense under a defensive-minded coach should look like it's opportunistic it's feisty it's playing in uh unison with one another and it's not sort of driven by one engine, you you, you look at the way TJ Edwards is playing. I thought the the tackle that he made in the open field on that swing pass out in front of the Viking sideline was one of the biggest plays of the game. He gets another takeaway. Jalen Johnson gets another takeaway. Jaquan Brisker is getting in the backfield to take down quarterbacks and, and making interceptions. You've got an obvious presence of Montez Sweat, which is elevating guys around him. And, and, and all of a sudden you've got the makings of a defense that – Looks like we thought it could. You know, there were moments in training camp where you're like, this group went together looks like it's got all the elements to be successful. And then Tremaine Edmonds went out and then Brisker went out and then the season started and Kyler Gordon was on IR and then Eddie was out and then Brisker was out again, you know, and you were just playing with a lot of moving parts. Well, now they've been back together in full. And for the last, you know, five, six weeks, they've been playing terrific. And Matt certainly deserves credit for that. I just think you've got some much bigger picture decisions to make about the direction of your franchise that will come to your doorstep in, in I guess, six or seven weeks here.
2: Yeah, it's kind of fascinating when you think about um that there has been player development and, and we have seen some younger guys get better. And um I suppose you could also argue that, that Montes sweat coming in changes them enough to, to sort of answer all sorts of issues. And it, it would be great if they were um able to have that good a defense. You also need to be able to play some offense and you need to score a touchdown and you need, yep. you know, you got all these high draft picks, uh, two really high draft picks, and we kind of imagine that happening uh, with the Bears going for offensive-minded players. I, I mean, I, I said to David, you know, the Hunter would look great opposite Montez Sweat. If you want to go out and spend some money and yep. concentrate on getting another guy to rush the passer – Dexter's getting better. They've signed Billings. You could you could really make a big move and get a, a significantly better defense, but that's not going to change the issues that you have on the offensive side of the football, and that's not going to change the way. Like I think I don't like talking about draft stuff, Dan, until we get right. closer to that season. Because look how extraordinary it was that they wound up with the number one pick last year. That mm-hmm. was that was you could argue flukish. It's very difficult to wind up there, and I hope it happens for them. Uh, but I think that if I look at this draft, and the Bears are sitting at one and four, whatever it might be, the, you know, the the first two quarterbacks we know about, the wide receiver we know about, but when you start talking about who is the fifth, fourth rated, fifth rated player, you're talking about offensive tackles. So, do you need an offensive tackle? Do you? Do you wrap your mind about that uh, around that idea? If you have a chance to get a, a uh, you know potential ten year starter, do you have enough at that point? You know, clearly you're going to have to get a, a a center at some point or other. Yeah. I, I just think when you know we start talking about how you get better, part of it is coaching, part of it is having the right offensive coach, part of it is uh, is knowing you have a quarterback.
0: It is, it's a big pie chart that you have to to figure out and look like I, my worries about the offensive line are significantly less than they were mm-hmm. seven or eight weeks ago. All of a sudden that, that group is, is playing together. They're healthy. They're uh, doing things that give you a chance offensively to succeed. Now the quarterback discussion is obviously the, the, the biggest one that we can have. And, and the bears are, are exploring a world of possibility because of what happened with Carolina. You know, the, 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 Panthers completely unraveling, having their season torpedoed and then their coach blown out gives you an opportunity to explore possibilities that might not have been there for you. If say you were picking seventh and 11th, you know, and then all of a sudden you say, well, that's a no brainer to stick with Justin because we're not going to have the option of choosing first in the line, uh, out of this quarterback class that, that, has a lot of people very excited. And now you do have that possibility. And so it brings a world of possibility to the desk of Ryan Poles and Molly, I'd, I'd be curious what your thoughts are on this. Cause I asked this to David, it, does the evaluation of your head coaching position and the evaluation of your quarterbacking future have to go hand in hand yes. or can you make those judgments independently? And I'm, I'm with you with the yes answer, but yeah. it, it, it complicates things, right? Because you have to kind of marry those decisions together and that, Changes kind of the the calculus and and the formula that that you're going about as you enter the offseason. But
1: the reason I said no is because Justin Fields conceivably could finish strong and you're not being in a position to draft a quarterback or
2: you have to keep him as long and and you can still fire your coach. Yeah, there are a lot of factors. I mean, the the number one factor when you're evaluating the quarterback is the quarterback, but it's also are you sitting at no. If you get the first pick two years running, how do you not? Yeah, I know. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to. but, But, But also, As you say, if you're moving on from the coach, are you – listen, to me, Justin Fields could be back next year either way, whether he's starting or not, because you could decide that you're going to draft a guy, but maybe you're not going to start him right away. Maybe you're going to have him compete. You know, this league tells you you need quarterbacks, multiple.
0: Right. As I sit here on the last Wednesday of December, it's hard for me to believe this fan base in this city having the stomach for – keeping the quarterback and the coaching staff fully intact, heading into 2020. It's 2020. inconceivable. No it, it, right. Like, it, it, you, they'd you have agree. to,
1: they'd have to yeah. probably at least at the very least, get rid of your guy. Getsy. I mean, they would have to probably do that,
0: Dan, right? I, I mean, you have to do something. Otherwise people will reflect back on that bridge from 2020 into 2021, where they tried to convince everybody in the outside world who knew something was wrong, that everything was all right. And then it, led us down a path that, that we were led down, which everyone knew was coming. And so you, you have to be on top of these things and and look like uh, Ryan Poles is in an enviable position because he's going to have, again, a world of options available to him. Uh, Kevin Warren will conceivably be uh, a sounding board and, and someone that can help help him find direction in these answers. But the, the, that sand in the hourglass runs out quick for a lot of decisions. And you know one of the things you try to tell fans about the quarterback discussion is this isn't about whether Justin Fields has shown enough to be worth sticking with. It's about what you have to invest both in him and the way you build your team going forward. If you make that decision, you know, and that's where it gets more complicated because you have a decision that comes up in May about a fifth year option and beyond the fifth year option, you have to decide, you know, how deep are you digging into the safe to pay him to be your long-term quarterback? And so it's not just about the the evaluation of the player and the direction he's going. It's about all of the things that go into building a championship football team. And it gets really complicated, really quick. And that, that clock starts ticking like the 24 clock that Kiefer Sutherland used to hear, you know, it's the the beeping gets louder and you've got to make decisions and that's what's coming uh, down, down uh, Ryan Poles' path really soon. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you, buddy. Great stuff. All right, guys. Enjoy the bye weekend.